Because that one way laid down his life for you. It's not like, listen, Jesus is just getting rich off of the fact that he's the only way and he's got a big ministry and he's got everyone's buying his books for $90,000 and if you, you fly him in, he'll speak nice to you. No, he laid down his life for you. And the way is not some commercial empire way. It's a man dying in our place and conquering death. During the ministry of Jesus, he wasn't offered thousands of dollars for speaking engagements or lucrative book deals. His motives were pure. The message is the same today. He is out for one thing, and that's for the hearts of people to follow him. As you listen to Pastor Daniel speak about how Jesus calls himself the way, the truth, and the life, consider whether there has ever been another like him offering a better way or new life. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part one of his message entitled, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Tonight's I am statement in the Gospel of John causes Jesus to sucker punch our culture right in the face, actually. Really, what Jesus says in this passage is so challenging to our generation. It comes off like a sucker punch. I don't know. I've never, I've never sucker punched anyone before. But a sucker punch comes out of nowhere and it lays you out. That's what I've been told. And in a lot of ways, Jesus is unafraid to challenge the presuppositions of any culture. He's absolutely, positively unafraid because Jesus exists outside of every culture. He is not constrained by 21st century American culture or 17th century Elizabethan culture or 1st century Judaism or Greco-Roman culture. See, he created all of humanity and the ways of God challenge all of us at the core of who we are. And the I am statement that we're going to see today is absolutely positively in our generation, this is a challenging statement. So I want you to open up in your Bibles to John chapter 14, John chapter 14, as we take our sixth, so we have this one, we have one more I am statement, and then we're going to be done with this series. So John 14, so if you're new to the Bible, I want you to get, the, get you to the gospel of John as well. So the first two-thirds of your Bible is what we call the Old Testament. It's from the book of Genesis to the book of Malachi. And then you have what we call the New Testament. It's about the last third. It's the telling of the stories of Jesus. So you have four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. So find John, of course, as I like to say always. Chapter 14 sits conveniently between chapters 13 and 15. And I'm going to try today and take this entire chapter. Now, <laughs> 31 verses. So what this means is that I, I can only hit the highlights, really. 
I can only hit the tops of the waves, so to speak. And there is so much in this chapter that I really want to encourage you in your own time to go back and do a slower, a deeper dive into this chapter because there's a lot in here. And But because we're doing it as a series, I would probably, if we were doing a study in John's gospel directly, I'd probably take five or six studies to go through John 14. I'd probably take each point and make it its own message. But we're not going to do that for today. So I really want to encourage you that later on this evening or this weekend to go back into John 14 and spend some time there. So let's start right in verse 1. John 14, verse 1, it said, it says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me and my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also, and where I go, you know, and the way, you know. And then Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, you notice verse 6, that's our I am statement. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we're going to spend some time there in a little bit. But first, verses 1 to 4 are very common. You hear them often. If you've ever read through the Bible, most people have this underlined in their Bible. It's a very classic text. But I think what's interesting about this text is I think for many of us, we actually don't understand what Jesus is talking about. Why? Because Jesus is talking marriage here. Jesus is talking marriage here. Now, I've never been to a wedding where they brought this up. I've gone to many funerals where this is brought up, but never a wedding. And I want to explain to you why Jesus is talking marriage here. Look what he says. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. So he starts with, let not your heart be troubled. This chapter sits within a section in John's gospel, chapters 13 to 17, where it's really an extended look into Jesus's last evening. And he tells them he's going to go and he's going to die. He's going to be betrayed and all these things. And then he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. So he's saying, look, faith cures a troubled heart. That's what he's saying here. Don't let your heart be troubled. And I believe there's many of us here right now. You're, you're hearing this. You have a troubled heart. There's things going on. I believe Jesus is speaking this as directly to you and I as he is to his disciples when he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now, in verse 2 to 4, this is the marriage language. Look what he says. In my father's house are many mansions, or some of your translations say rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way, you know. Now, I say this is marriage language because in Jesus' culture, the land was given by allotment, right? And each family and tribe had a specific land they were giving, and each family was given a certain plot of land. And 
when a father had sons, when it came time for the son to get married, he would, and these marriages would be arranged beforehand, right? And, and when it was time for the marriage to be made, to be consummated, the son would go back to his father's house and he would actually build like an apartment, what we would call an apartment or a townhouse on his father's land. And as he was building this, although they were legally married, they were betrothed, they hadn't consummated the relationship. And you can imagine the bride-to-be or her friends like riding by, you know, so to speak, and looking, oh, the walls are up, oh, the windows are in, because part of the groom's job was to prepare a home for his family. And then what would happen was, is when it was all done and everything was ready, then they'd get everything ready. And there comes a time when the groom would go to the bride and, and would bring her back to her father's house to consummate the marriage. So this language for us, it's like, oh, okay, so Jesus is going to heaven, and he's making us a little spot, and it's great. Okay, so that's what's happening here. But we don't realize that what Jesus is talking about, these guys would have heard, he's talking about marriage. In my father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And then he says, and if I go and prepare a place, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you will be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. See, what he's saying is, listen, he's saying, I'm going to be going away because I am preparing a house for us for our wedding. And this was highly charged language. Now, I know for some of you guys, you hear this Jesus talking marriage language, and you're like, okay, you know, that's nasty. Not looking, I'm not looking to marry Jesus. But marriage speaks of the most profound union between two people, a man and a woman becoming one flesh, completely one, spiritual, social, emotional, physical. And Jesus is saying, look, I am preparing you for the consummation of our wedding. And that's a powerful picture, isn't it? That Jesus has been betrothed to you, that Jesus has committed himself to you. You think about the idea of an engagement in our culture. Jesus is saying, look, I'm making a commitment to you, and I'm going to go and I'm going to prepare the place for you that I can come again and receive you to myself. And then notice what it says in verse 4, and where I go, you know, and the way you know. And then Thomas says to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. And how can we know the way? Now, Thomas is known as the doubter. Last week, we see Thomas being faithful. Just like, okay, we're just going to follow Jesus. And now he's saying, Lord, we don't have a clue what you're talking about. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying here. He's saying, Lord, because Jesus said, and where I go, you know, and the way you know. And he's like, Lord, we don't know where you're going. And how can we know the way? Jesus says, you know the way and where I'm going. And Thomas says, no, we don't, we don't know. But you know what I love about this question? Jesus answers the question. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Don't be scared of asking God questions about things that you don't understand. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. Questions are good. You know what the problem with many of us, though, with our questions is? We don't actually want the answers. And so when we ask God a question and he gives us an answer, we don't like the answer, and then we wish we hadn't asked the question, right? 
Am I the only person who's ever done that? Where you're like, Lord, why is this happening? And Lord's like, well, listen, I'm going to explain to you why it's happening. You're like, I don't want to know that right now. So just like with people, don't ask questions that you don't want the answers to. Or you're not going to like the answer to. See, Thomas's question, even though he does know the way, and he does know where he's going, he doesn't understand, and Jesus says, I am the way. Now notice, he doesn't say, I am a way. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, all with definite articles. And then, to make matters worse, he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, that's a sucker punch in our culture, isn't it? Why? Because in our culture, there's no such thing as the way. Everything is a way. There's no such thing as the truth. There is my truth or whatever I want. And there's no such thing as the life. It's just a life. It's what I get to do. And no one comes to the Father but by me. No, every way leads to the top. And Jesus says, no. Jesus looks at our culture in our love of pluralism and relativism, that everyone can choose their own spiritual adventure and get whatever outcome we want, and Jesus says flat out, no. Now, Jesus says no because he is the way. That's why. He's saying, look, this is the only way. And it's interesting that the early church, if you read the book of Acts, was called the way. It wasn't called Christianity. It was called the way. Now, of course, we don't really use that anymore because throughout time, there's been some cults that use the term the way for their cult, and now it's a little squirrely in some people's hearts and minds. But Jesus is the way. We don't know the way. I'm the way. See, the way is not a religion. It's a person. The, the way to the Father is through a person, not a set of rules that you keep, not learning a special handshake or a special way to pray. It is a person, and that person's name is Jesus. And the reason Jesus is the way is because Jesus is the truth, the genuine article, the real deal. He is the only one who can say, this is the truth. And in a world where nobody likes truth, the real deal, Son of God, Jesus of Nazareth, shines brightly. This is the way to live your life. This is what it looks like to honor God with your life. In a world with very few role models, Jesus shines so bright because he's the truth. And Jesus is the way because he is the life. And we saw that last week. I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus said. He's saying, look, I have life in myself, and I am willing to share. Jesus is willing to share with us. And then he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. You know what no one means? It means no one. That's what it means. It doesn't mean no one unless you want to be a Buddhist, or unless you want to be a Muslim, or unless you want to be Whatever it is that you want to call yourself, you want to worship at the church of the flying spaghetti monster or whatever. No one means no one except through me. And that is why for 2,000 years since Jesus uttered these words, the people of God are unashamed to say, look, you may not like it, but Jesus said, no one comes to the Father but through me. 
Now, some people would say, well, that's just why I don't want to believe in Jesus. Foods go like, I mean, snap, I'm done with that. You know, I don't want to believe in Jesus because why would I want to believe if there's only one way? Because that one way laid down his life for you. It's not like, listen, Jesus is just getting rich off of the fact that he's the only way and he's got a big ministry and he's got everyone's buying his books for $90,000 and if you, you fly him in, he'll speak nice to you. No, he laid down his life for you. And the way is not some commercial empire way. It's a man dying in our place and conquering death. And the reason there's no other way is because the only way into the presence of God is through the person and work of Jesus Christ who died for you. And I'm here to tell you, that's where the rubber meets the road. Find your guru who's going to give up his life for you. Find your favorite new age speaker and see if they'll come and lay down their life for you. Because you know what? They won't. But Jesus already did. And that is why there's no other way. That's why. And that's why Jesus is so controversial, because he says stuff like that. And if you're here today, and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, you got to deal with when Jesus says stuff like this. I remember the first time I read the Gospels as a non-Christian person who was just searching. I read everything else. I read that. I'm like, man, that's a tough saying. Because who am I to say that Jesus is the only way? You know what? I'm nobody to say that. The man himself said it. And then people say, oh, no, no. No, no, listen. No. They say, oh, Jesus didn't say that. His disciples said that. Yeah, it went really good for them too, didn't it? People want to pretend that like the disciples were building, you know, the Facebook of their generation where they took it public. They all became billionaires. Every single one of them died for this. The early church was persecuted for 300 years. Long before it became the Holy Roman Empire, the church was systematically persecuted. They were driven underground. All of these disciples lost their lives for this. So it wasn't like this was like some, some great multi-level marketing scheme. This cost these guys everything. They lost everything, including their lives, because they had found something more valuable. So don't ever think that this was like, oh, yeah, this is just how you make a religion. You say it's the only way. And No, these guys lost their lives so that we can know this stuff. So if you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, you need to because he's the way. He is. He's the truth. He's the life. And you are not going to get to the Father any other way but through Jesus. He's the only way. And we're going to give you an opportunity. We're going to give you an opportunity to make that decision by the end of this evening, this message. And you need to make that decision because he's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. Now, what Jesus says next might even be more controversial in Jesus' culture than even what he just said right here. Look at what it says in verse 7. It says, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father that is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak of my own authority, 
but the Father who dwells in me does the work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Now, Jesus just said he's the way, the truth, and the life, right? That no one gets to the Father but by him. And he says, look, then he says in verse 7, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. And then Philip pops up, another one of the disciples, and says, Lord, show us the Father that it's sufficient for us. I mean, Philip's saying, look, if I'm going to know God the Father, I'm in. I want an experience of God the Father. Show me the money, so to speak. That's what he says. And what Jesus says now is unbelievable. He says, Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, verse 9, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? You know what this means? To put it in real kind of street-level terms, Jesus is God with skin on. That's what he's saying here. Jesus is God with skin on. And for those of you who are hip-hop artists, you write that one down, you can, that will have been nice. God with skin on, mm. It was something. I don't know, what, however you do it. But he's God with skin on. He's saying, look, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now, in Jesus' day, because the Jewish people were the only people who believed in one God, the true and living God, Yahweh, when Jesus says this, this would have been a sucker punch to their culture. Because he's saying, you know, Yahweh, who you worship, the only God, well, that's me. I'm God with skin on. So Jesus is just doing a great job of pretty much offending everybody at this point. And what's amazing is, is the fact that Jesus is saying that he is God in living flesh has been and still is a very controversial reality. But the Apostle Paul, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, a very well-educated Jewish man who would never have believed in multiple gods, says almost the exact same thing in the book of Colossians. I'm going to read you two different verses. Colossians 1.15 and then chapter 2, verse 9. Colossians 1.15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. And then in chapter 2, verse 9, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Wow. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And then he says, in him, Jesus dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That's where I get Jesus is God with skin on. In him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. The apostle Paul just didn't have my great linguistic skills. No, I'm just kidding. But that's exactly what Jesus is saying. He's like, look, you want to see God? You've seen him. I am what God looks like with skin on. The way that I live, the way that I present myself, this is what God in human form looks and acts like. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a pretty profound statement, isn't it? He's saying, if you watch the way that I live, this is the way God lives and moves in human form. Jesus is real. Thanks for joining us today for this edition of Jesus is Real Radio. 
We're so blessed by what God is doing through Jesus is Real Radio. We want to give you the opportunity to partner with us. For anyone who wants to help further the gospel here on Jesus is Real Radio, with a gift of $20 or more, we will send you a personalized copy of Pastor Daniel's book, Honestly. I'll be back in a moment to tell you how you can receive your personalized copy. But first, here's Pastor Daniel with more about this special book offer. Thanks, Josh. Honestly is a book I wrote to help people deal with the messiness of life. I mean, we all know it. Life throws us curveballs all the time. We never know what's coming next. But honestly comes from what I've discovered out of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, how you can manage your life through the lens of your relationship with Jesus. It's some powerful stuff, and I've been blessed as many people have told me how the book has helped them on their spiritual journey. I'm confident that honestly will be a blessing to you as you walk with Jesus, and I'll be personalizing each and every copy for the Jesus is Real radio listeners who partner with us this month. Here's Josh with some more information. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. Again, to receive your very own personalized copy of Honestly, simply log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on Partner. Then you can securely make your donation of $20 or more, which includes shipping. Remember, by partnering with us this month with your gift, You'll not only receive this great resource, you'll also be enabling Jesus is Real Radio to be heard on this station and many more. That's all the time we have for today. Join us next time for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio. 